Hey, we're so happy you found us online. The message you're about to hear was recorded live at Grace Family Church. We're a community following the call to love God, love people, and make a difference. We meet at four locations around Durban and at graceonline.tv. Go ahead and share this message, or you can download it and listen to it in your car or at home later today. Wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening from, thank you for connecting with us, and may you be encouraged by the message coming up next. There is a great quote that says, parenting is like folding a fitted sheet. No one really knows how to. What we do know is that as a parent, you really want your kids to grow up supported, and you want them to know they are loved by you and by God. But it's not always easy to have those faith conversations in our busy schedules. That's where Grace Kids comes in. Your kids get an hour with us on a Sunday, and for the rest of the week, we want to help you bring faith into the center of your home to provide you with tools that will make space for Jesus in your weekly routine. Moms and dads, you have influence. Parenting is a remarkable and humbling ministry, and we want to partner with you as you lead your kids on the adventure of knowing Jesus. So where do we start? We've developed an online parent resource on our website with tools and guides from praying with your child to having family devotions, everyday Faith at Home resources created just for you, We also have a Faith at Home Facebook group you can join and find encouragement from others parenting in faith. So no matter what your folded fitted sheet looks like, may you find Faith at Home, an adventure that brings you closer to your kids and Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Uh, Parents, I really want to encourage you, jump online and engage. Uh, Tonight, um, I'm really excited for tonight. Uh, Tonight, um, Kesh, who is our Cornubia Associate Pastor, is going to be preaching tonight for the first time here at Mshlanga PM. I just want to say, what is happening at the Cornubia campus uh, is phenomenal. Wayne and his team are leading just the most incredible expression of faith. If you have a uh, Sunday morning available, head across all 20 meters that side uh, and go be a part of what God's doing there. It is amazing. They're currently meeting in a dance studio with mirrors all around them, so that's really exciting. Um, And and we, we, uh, we look forward to what God continues to do there. But I just want to say, Kesh, it is so awesome to have you here tonight. You and Christina are just such a blessing and a gift to our community. And so we really look forward to the message that you're going to bring uh, to us tonight. So my encouragement to you is to lean in, give him a warm Mshlanga PM welcome as he makes his way up in just a moment. Um, or oh, now, that's now's a good time as well. Um, Kesh, they're excited already. Uh, so I'm gonna just, we're going to quickly play the bumper for today's message and then lean in as Kesh shares uh, his thoughts. Okay, so, uh, you know, I'm not great at these uh, intense conversations, you know. You know I care about you, right? I really care about you, too. (laughs) Um, Well, it's just like, things have been changing. Change? You know, when a relationship, it it can start as one thing, uh, but then become something different. Different? No. I will not be broken up with again! Let me help you out with your intense conversation. I sense anger. I had no idea you felt that way. Listen, 5'7 is a very adequate height. Staying in your parents' basement, that's a great way to save money. I am not cheap. I tried being vegan. Isaac Newton was 5'7". Those are my feelings being tap danced on. I had no idea you could be so hurtful. You're saying all these mean things to me. 
and you don't like my music? I can't believe all this. I don't even know. Well, I think I've said it all. I don't even know. Do you have anything you'd like to add? <laughs> no reason I came here. <laughs> oh. <gasps> oh, congratulations, guys. Oh, you're speechless. That means you nailed it. Guys, can I take your picture? What a perfect moment. Well, there you have it. I don't know, guys. What do you think? Did they end up getting married or not? I mean, they might have called it off at that point. Well, good evening, everybody. It is so good to be here with you. I'm absolutely honored. It's such a privilege to be able to come in and share um, God's word with you this evening. Uh, thank you for the hospitality. Yeah, in Amshlange, you guys have been super supportive and just encouraging me all the way. Uh, so thank you for that, Amshlange. And um, man, it's such a blessing to be a part of a church, which has one church, but many locations. This morning I was preaching in Belito, and I got to spend some time with our family there in Belito, and it was such an incredible experience uh, to be with them, and now I get to come and be with you guys. And um, is, is there anyone from Kanubia here today? <laughs> Squad up, there's my Kanubia people. Man, I love you guys. Um, <laughs> all four of you that's here tonight. <laughs> and one of them is my wife, so <laughs> I have to love you. <laughs> Uh, but it's really good to have you guys here tonight. Man, I've just been loving our life in Kanubia. Uh, we've grown to a family of just over 400. Things have been going so uh, good there, guys. Uh, just the way that people have been doing life together is so encouraging. And, and I really, like Paul said, I want to encourage you guys, come and visit us, man. It's one big family. Come and spend some time with us. Come and see the craziness that's going on. We're doing construction. We're turning that gym into a church. It's quite the sight. Come and get, uh, get some experience in that. Uh, make sure you bring your uh, construction helmet, though. <laughs> so we in a series um, called Me and My Big Mouth, as you've just seen, and uh, in the last two weeks, we've been discussing things like, uh, you know, our tongue, how difficult it is to tame it. And, um, you know, our words have so much of power. It can be used really badly to break people down or it can be used for good. And uh, we also explore the idea of being quick to listen and slow to speak. And that just helps us to defuse situations when we find ourselves in conversations where things are getting out of hand. And so... Um, we also uh, heard of the idea that you know, God doesn't want us to be right over each other, but he wants us to be right with each other. And today the sermon is titled Builder's Code. And I was thinking about this and I was reminded of something back when I was, uh, uh, back when I was a teenager in a small town called Lanasia South. And most probably none of you have heard of that here, um, but it's a little place in Johannesburg. And um, I was at uh, home group the one night. Uh, and actually, I can't really call it home group because it was home cell, and man, I hated it. My aunt would drag me there every week. I just hated it. I mean, it was called home cell, guys, like a cell, like a prison cell. He was locked in until you couldn't get out. Um, but thank God for Grace Family Church and group life that we have. Appreciate what you got, guys. Come and experience group life. Uh, yeah. So there was one night uh, at home group and we were discussing giftings and how we could use our giftings to serve God and serve each other. And I remember everyone going around through the room, each person taking their turn 
um, saying what they're gifted in. And there was good stuff. There was people like really good at uh, prayer, some were good at care ministry, some were good at worship. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, what am I good at? And the only thing that I could think of that I was good at was having a big mouth. I mean, that was the only thing I was good at. I was the type of person who was quick to have a response, always get the last word in, always want to be heard, um, sarcastic, and that was me. And so I remember sitting there thinking to myself, firstly, this is hilarious because how can I possibly only be good at having a big mouth? Come on, God. And then secondly, this was my ticket out of serving. Like, I didn't have to serve anymore because how could you possibly use your big mouth to serve? So this was my escape route because I didn't want to be part of what was going on at church at that point in my life. And uh, so with a lot of confidence and a big grin on my face, I looked at the leader and said, well, the only thing I'm good at is having a big mouth. So there you go. I can't serve. Thank you very much. To which he responded to me, well, Kesh, you certainly do have a big mouth. Why do you think I twist your ears all the time? It's because you got a big mouth. But I want to encourage you today that actually... You can use that big mouth to serve God. Maybe, maybe one day you'll be a preacher. Maybe one day you'll be a voice to the voiceless. And I looked at this man with his gray hairs on his head and I said, this old man has lost his mind. There is no way this is happening. Not a chance. I'm never going to be a pastor. I'm never going to be a preacher. And look at me today. <laughs> Here I am standing preaching to you guys. I mean, me and my big mouth, right? Um, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking to myself, you know, why, why, why is it that we always have to think of having a big mouth as something uh, bad? I mean, can't we flip it? Can't we turn it around to be uh, something positive instead of being a weapon of destruction, a weapon of change? And, and I think we can. And if we dig into Scripture, Paul gives us some advice on how this is possible. So we're about to read um, from a book in the Bible called Ephesians. It's actually a letter that was written by Paul. Paul uh, was an apostle, but before Paul was an apostle, his name was Saul. And Saul used to go around persecuting Christians. He used to go around killing Christians. Just as Christianity was taken off, he was going to shut it down and demolish. But then he had an encounter with God, and now he's given his heart up to God, and he's living a new life, and now he's a leader. Now he's encouraging people. Now he's building people up. And so Paul, in Acts, we read that he went to this place, uh, Ephesus, um, and he spent two years there, in Acts chapter 9, you'll read about it, where he was church planting and he was ministering. And, and during his time there, we see that there was a lot of healings, um, evil spirits being cast out, uh, people leaving, practicing magic and turning to God. Uh, so we can see it was a very spiritually active place, and it was like a port city, so people would come in and out freely, and they would do what they want. With them, when they came in, they would bring their cultures, their religions, and so there was this idea of practicing uh, many different beliefs and believing in multiple gods. And the thing about these Greek and Roman gods is what it was all about themselves. Everything was about their own agenda. It was what they could get and uh, obviously, this inspired a culture. If you were following them, that's kind of the life that you were living. Everything goes, I can get what I want. I can cut people down just to get what I want. And so Paul, he sees uh, that there's some trouble rising up with the, the Christian believers, the Gentile believers um, in Ephesus. And he writes this letter 
to encourage them and remind them of their identity in God, to remind them of the new life that they have called, uh, they have been called to. So in 4.17, verse 19, he says, So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. So first of all, he says, I insist, of, uh, I insist on this. He's saying this is not even negotiable. Like, this is not something we should take for granted. This is something of importance, and it's in God. It's not his own will. This is not to benefit Paul. No, this is God's heart for his people. So it is important. In 17 to 19, he says, That you must no longer love as the Gentiles do, Gentiles were the pagan uh, worshippers, um, and Gentile believers were the pagan worshippers who now are Christians. Um, so he says, in the, in the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from a life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. And Paul is saying, remember he's writing to the converse now, he's saying, yes, that used to be your life, but that's not your life anymore. You have been called to something different. You don't have to be selfish. You don't have to be greedy. They were giving themselves up to every kind of impurity, and he says, that's not you guys. He goes on to say, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were thought in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So again, he's saying, that may have been your world previously, and it may be the world that you're living in now and things are going around you, but that's not you. You've been called to live a different life. You don't have to fit in with the crowd, but you can stand out. And how many of us are faced with that situation in this day of our life where, where we feel like we need to give in just to be a part of the crowd? But, but like Paul is saying in the message, we don't need to. We don't need to do that. We can stand out. We can be different. And he says, you were uh, taught in regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. And this word deceitful, I mean, it, it means like it's misleading. It's misguiding you. These desires that you have, they're misleading you. I mean, it's giving you an expectation of what you're going to get. But when you get it, you're going to be very disappointed. And think about it. When, you, when you're talking to somebody and you want to get your way, and it's your desire to get your way, but you're going to end up in that conversation just being misled and hurt. And he says, um, so take off your old self before you are misled to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created in the, uh, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So take out the old life. Take out that old way so you can make room for what's new, for what sparks joy. You need to get rid of that old stuff to make room for, 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 for what's going to benefit you in life. And this scripture is very important to the Gentile believers because remember, uh, they used to, uh, they're coming from a past where they used to believe in these gods and they wanted to be like gods. The mindset was to be like the gods. And Paul is saying, you won't be like those gods. You will be like God in righteousness and holiness you will be like God. And if we think about God, I mean, God is kind. God is loving. God is giving. He gave his son so that we can have life. God gives respect. He doesn't discriminate. He loves everybody. He wants you to do well in life, and he wants everybody else around you to also do well. He wants the best for everyone. And Paul is saying, if you put off the old self and you walk into the new, you'll be like God. 
and you will treat people the way that God treats them. And now Paul, he's going to get practical with us. He's about to give us some advice, especially in this topic that we're talking about, me and my big mouth. Um, so in 429, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And you know, Andy Stanley did uh, the sermon, and uh, he said this, this word, unwholesome, it's actually, when it's translated from the Greek, it was, it was a word that was used to describe rotting fish, rotting fish and rotting fruit, anything that is distasteful. And Paul is saying, don't let anything distasteful come out of your mouth. And I was thinking about this imagery, and I was trying to put it in context of us here in South Africa, and especially here in Durban. And the first thing that I could think of was tinfish. You guys know tinfish? Now, I'm going to let you in on a little cultural secret here from the community that I belong to. <laughs> so as Indians, tinfish is a delicacy. When we're going to the beach, the first thing we take, I'm getting a yup there so you know it's true, right? This is, this is truth. I'm not lying to you guys. The first thing you get ready is your tinfish sandwich and you head onto the beach and that's your snack for the day. Amazing. I don't know why this started, but I'm a part of the culture, and I embrace it, okay? Don't judge us. <laughs> now, now, the thing about this tinfish sandwich, I was thinking about it. Can you imagine? Have you ever seen an Indian couple sitting on the beach just as the sun is about to set, sharing a romantic kiss with each other? You're never going to see that. Never. Because who wants to taste that tin fish? Who wants to smell that tin fish all up in your face? It's not going to happen, guys. And, and I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking, Paul is saying, man, don't let that tin fish come out of your mouth. Don't, don't do that to anybody. Don't hurt them like that. Don't break them down. It's distasteful. Okay, don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth and he goes on to say but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen don't use those words to break people down use your words to build them up and there's this theme running in Ephesians I mean first of all we have Paul Paul used to be a guy who persecuted Christians. He used to go around and with just his words, he would give the order for them to be killed. But now Paul is using his words to build them up. He's writing this letter to encourage them to do better in life. Paul is now using his words to build people up. In chapter 2, uh, 19 to 22, uh, Paul is talking about the Jews and the Gentile believers, how now they have become one family. They weren't uh, they never used to get along, but they have become one family as God is building them up together. In 22, he says, um, in him, you have been built together to become a dwelling place in which God's Holy Spirit lives. So we can see God's heart to build us up, to build us up with each other. 
so that we can be a dwelling place for his Holy Spirit. And coming back to 429, he says, don't speak unwholesomely. Let the words that you use build people up. And this is our call. Paul is building people up. God is building people up. And this is our call to build people up. And this is important. They're emphasizing this because it is important. This is life-giving to the people in your family. It's life-giving to everybody that you encounter. We need to build them up. And the thing about this, this scripture, he says, according to their needs, according to their needs. And if you go back to the first week we were talking and we said in the conversations that we have, when we want to be heard, it's because we want our needs to be met. But Paul is saying, don't build them up according to your needs, build them up according to their needs. And, and this, also, this also, it doesn't mean that you have to be soft. I mean, I know this is a kind, it's a loving message, but it doesn't mean that you have to be soft. Some situations requires a bit more urgency. It requires the tone to be a bit differently. It requires you to be a bit more tough. I mean, can you imagine if your child is, is throwing their life away with drug addictions? Can you imagine if somebody is living so dangerously that they might lose their life? There's an urgency to it. Sometimes you, you need to step up but here's the key. Whatever you do, whether you have to be soft or whether you have to be tough, you have to be helpful. He says it in the scripture, only build them up for what is helpful. Use your words to build people up. Leave them better off than when you started. When you get into a conversation, are you walking away from it where they are broken or they are built? I mean, we, we're building in Canubia, right? We've got the builders, we've got the contractors there, and they're working. When they leave the premises, we want an awesome facility to be able to go and worship in. We don't want to walk into a place that looks like a pile of ruins. No, when they leave the place, it has to be better off, and that's exactly how we need to be. We need to be builders who leave people better off when we talk to them. And you know, I was thinking about that idea of being builders up, and one of the things that has been like really uh, getting under my skin lately is this idea of social media. I love social media. Social media is amazing. Uh, I used to be a missionary for many years. I've got friends all over the world, and it's one of the ways that we are able to keep in contact. It's one of the ways that we are able to build our relationship with each other up without even being next to each other. We can encourage and inspire people all around the world, share our lives with them. But how has it been used lately? If you go on the internet, there is so much of bullying, there is so much of trolling, there is so much of dissing going on. And for what? I mean, and you know what's the worst part about it? It's not like it's not happening in the body of Christ, it's happening within the church. There's worship leaders calling out pastors, pastors calling out worship leaders, and I know I'm, I'm skating on thin ice here, but we need to be builders. And this is something that I needed to speak about. Because how are we leaving people? I mean, what's the point of that? What's the point of putting up a sarcastic comment? Is it for likes to get a couple of hype men to pump us up? Is it uh, just for fame? I mean, but what's the end result of that? It just leaves us with a broken relationship with the person that we are initially talking about. And Paul is saying, we need to be builders up. We need to watch what we're doing with our words. We can't be out here killing people with our words. Um, if you've got a problem with somebody, if there's an issue, 
sometimes we do need to address it. But how are we addressing it? Like, do we really need to call them out? What about a phone call? Can I pick my phone up and just give them a call and speak to them? Maybe I can invite them for a cup of coffee. Let's meet face to face and speak. I don't need to embarrass you because that's not building you up. When we leave our conversations, we need to make sure that we are building people up. And in 430, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In the message translation of this, uh, this verse, it says, don't break God's heart. Don't break God's heart. The things that we say when we're breaking people down, that's breaking God's heart. You don't want to find yourself in a situation where God is looking at you like, what are you doing? Are you really breaking the person down that I'm building up? You're working against me, not with me. We need to become builders. You want to correct someone? Do it with love. What's your intention? Check your heart. Check the motive behind correcting somebody. Make sure you leave them better off. And, you know, Paul knows that we're going to struggle with this. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I've, I've struggled with this situation. I don't know where you've walked away from a conversation where you think to yourself, like, what did I do? Like, what did I just say? Did I, did I, should I really have done that? Like, why did I even do that? Where is this coming from? Where is this words coming from? And, and Paul knows the answer, and he has a solution for us. He says, if you're going to be a builder, you need to get rid of all your bitterness. He doesn't just say stop the bitterness. He says get rid of it. Think about this. If you had trash in your house, you're not going to leave it there just to get rotten and pile up. No, you're going to get it out of your house and get it far away from you, completely getting rid of you. We need to get rid of the bitterness. Because here's the thing with bitterness. Bitterness, it seeps into our conversations. It starts to affect the way we say things. The, 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 it starts to affect how we say things to who we're saying them to. Bitterness affects the content and intent of everything we say. And for most of us, we may need to revisit some un uncomfortable situations. Because the thing about bitterness, bitterness is, it's normally stems from you know, something that someone has spoken to us, either spoken something bad about us, or some, somebody spoken bad about us to somebody else, and this caused hurt and bitterness. And the problem with this is, now that hurt and bitterness that we are carrying around with us is starting to affect the relationships that's around us. It's starting to affect the way that I speak to my wife, the way that I speak to my children. They paying the price for something that somebody else has done. Forgiveness is to give someone from the past what they don't deserve so we can give to someone in our present what they do deserve. And Paul goes on to say, get rid of rage, anger, brawling, slander, and along with every form of malice. He says, get rid of these things because these things don't help you. They don't benefit you. They only escalate the situation. And then he ends with this verse. And um, he says, be kind, compassionate with each other, forgiving each other as Christ, as in uh, Christ God forgave you. Paul ends this chapter with be kind and compassionate. It's not just good enough to say kind words to somebody. We have to let our emotions and our actions follow that. We have to put our faith into application. It's not just good enough to say kind words. We need to act on them. We are to do what Christ 
has done for us. And to put it in context of the conversation that we're having, me and my big mouth, that would look like this. We need to speak to people as Christ has spoken to us. Can you imagine the change and transformation that you would see in your family's lives, in your friends' lives? Can you imagine the growth and the healing that you would see in people's lives if you would just use your words in a way that Christ has used his words to speak to you? And I want to share just a small story that stuck out for me this week, which I just found mind-blowing. So I grew up um, with my dad. We had a very special relationship, very close bond. My mom died when I was eight, so he raised me up as a single parent for many, many years until I was a teenager. And we got this uh, relationship that we developed that was so close. Um, but the thing about our relationship is we couldn't talk to each other. Like we would sit in a room and call equality time just watching a TV, but we never had open conversations where I would sit down and share my heart with him and he would share his heart with me. It was okay, you know, we accepted that. And to be honest with you, I never really gave my father a reason to be proud of me. Growing up in my teenage years, I did so many crazy things. I mean, I started with drugs and alcohol back when I was in high school. And so my father never ever told me that he was proud of me. Until one day when I was 22 years old and a lot like the Gentile believers, I put my old self away and started living in a new life in a way that God has called me to live. I stopped all the drugs, the alcohol, and I started following Jesus with all my heart. And when I did that, my father saw the change in me. And so he came up to me the one day and he said, man, Cash, I see you and I see the man that you are becoming and I am so proud of you. And that's a moment that I would never ever forget in my life because my love language is words of affirmation. Verbal affirmation is the way I receive and give love. And when my father told me that he's proud of me, man, I was so excited. I mean, he also told me sending me on a Euro trip, which was pretty cool. But, um, but the thing that stuck out to me was just those simple words. Paul said it in the beginning of the sermon, in, I mean, of the service. Just one word can change a person's life. And for me, that was the moment, those few words, when my father said, I'm proud of you, it changed my life. It motivated me that I don't need to go to that life of the past, of the drugs and the alcohol. I can move forward. I can do better in life. I can succeed. I can conquer this world. It motivated me. Crazy thing about this story is, I was sitting and preparing my sermon this week, and I looked back on that story, and I thought to myself, but that was 11 years ago since my dad told me that he was proud of me. And for some reason, it just weighed me down. And I remember on Tuesday morning when I was out for my run, I was having quiet time with God. I took my words to God and I spoke to him and I told him what was heavy on my heart. And I wasn't happy with the way that I was feeling. And I prayed about it and I brought the situation to God. And I promise you, that Tuesday evening, I didn't hear from my dad for a week before that. He sends me a text message and he says, son, I just want to tell you that I miss you so much and I'm so proud of you. And in that moment, it was a prayer answered and it was motivation for me again to come up here and preach today. Because I tell you what, I was scared. I was terrified to come and preach here today. 
Even in Belito this morning, it was my first time there. I'm still a young guy, a young pastor. I got a long way to go. And my insecurities were creeping up on me, saying, you're not good enough. You're going to mess it up. People are not going to co- connect. And in that moment, my father told me that I was pr- he's proud of me. I was inspired. I can do this. Somebody is, somebody is my champion. Somebody is behind me. The most crazy part about this story is this morning I'm preaching in Belito and I'm in the worship and I'm standing there and the insecurities is starting to creep back in just before I go to preach. And I'm praying like, God, you need to come now. Your Holy Spirit needs to come now and help me up. And I open my eyes and there's a lady that's name is Cheryl. She walks straight up to me and she says, I'm taking a chance here. I feel like I'm making myself like a fool, but I just got to say this to you. I feel like God is saying, go up there. I got your back. You can do this. And in that moment, yes. In that moment, I felt like God was saying, you think your father on earth is proud of you? You have no idea no idea how proud I am of you. I'm your father first and I want you to win in life. And those little words of encouragement, I placed them on the hearts of your father. I placed them on the heart of Cheryl and they were obedient to come and speak them to you. So we need to use our words, guys. If God is prompting you to encourage somebody, do it. One word can change their life. So we're going to go through, we're going to do a little exercise now. Maybe get a pen out, maybe get your phone. Write down these two questions. I'm about to read the scriptures back to you. And as I read these scriptures back to you, I want you to process this. Think about what God is saying to you. Can I just say something before I do that? Guys, you don't need to wait 11 years to encourage somebody. There's people right in front of you right now. Your husband, your wife, your children, your friends, they're right here in front of you. Use your words. Encourage them. So the first question is, where do I have work to do? So we're going to read the scriptures and you're going to ask yourself and you're going to ask God, where's the areas in life that I'm failing in my relationships with people? Where do I have work to do? And the second question is a bit more tricky. You may not want to answer this one. The second question is, who hopes that I will get to work as soon as possible? Who would want me to work on those things in my life right now because I am breaking them down when I should be building them up? So I'm going to read to you. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were thought in him in accordance in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus you were thought with regarding your former life your former way of life to put off the old self which is being corrupted 
by its deceitful desires, to be made new in attitude of your minds, and to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Do not let any unwholesome talk, no ten fish mouth, no fish mouth, don't let that talk out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't let the Holy Spirit look at you like, why are you breaking people down and building up? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Can we stand and pray? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I just want to thank you, God, for the good God that you are, that you are so gracious to us, that you care enough that you would teach us this, that you care about our relationships, that you care how we live our lives with each other, that you would spend time to build us up, God. And I pray that you inspire to become builders alongside you, building your people up. I want to pray for grace for the times that we, we fail in our relationships, where we cut people down, that there is your forgiveness. And I pray that we are also able to forgive people as we dig through our bitterness so that we can get rid of it and we can build our relationships up with the people that's around us now. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your words. Thank you for, you, for, for the way that you speak to us. And I pray that we are able to go out and speak to people in the way that you have spoken to us. In Jesus' name, amen.